Robins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Welcome along to Robins on the Wire with myself, Michelle Owen and Gregor McGregor. This is part one of two of our end of season review of Bristol City season. Today, we'll mainly be looking at August to December. We'll also be hearing from an ex-Bristol City striker that Gregor has been speaking to as well. And we'll pop that in at the end for you. But before that, Gregor, let's quickly reflect on the final game of the season against Sheffield United, just because it's fresh in the memory at the weekend. Uh, First half was dire, second half was more spirited, but not the best afternoon for the Robins. Party poopers, aren't they, Uh, Sheffield United? Completely ruined the day. (laughs) But um, yeah, it was a bit of a microcosm of um, Bristol City's season in a way, and Lee Johnson said the same thing afterwards, that it kind of reflected Bristol City in some respects. When they're good, they're good, and when they're bad, they can be really bad, unfortunately. And yeah, the first 35 minutes, they just didn't turn up, did they? And what's worrying, I think, is Lee Johnson said after the game that all week they'd worked on intensity and uh, pressing from the front. And, uh, it wasn't there, was it? They didn't get any of that. I, I did see quite a few players in the first half disagreeing with each other as well. They all seemed to be on each other's backs. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a, a real rollicking from Aidan Flint to uh, Lloyd Kelly at one point. Um, I think it was after Billy Sharp had got a shot away. But yeah, I mean, the guys will learn from that, won't they? Lloyd Kelly's only Why was Lloyd Kelly playing centre-back, not left-back? I think it was a way of getting Joe Bryan into the side. Um, uh, I think, well, Lee had already said he was um, picking a team for the future, so he wanted to give the young guys as much chance as possible. And obviously had a, had Hoarder on the bench, Bailey Wright um, wasn't fit enough and neither was Eros Pisano. So, uh, is Lloyd Kelly a centre-back? He's better at left-back, isn't he? I know well, Lee has said that he sees him long-term as a centre-back. Okay. I, think, uh, I think Lloyd sees himself as a centre-back. And Interesting. It's, same with Viner, actually. Um, Zach Viner. Well, he's but, been playing centre-back for Plymouth on Yeah. Um, of course, he came into the side as a sort of right-back, didn't he? Yes, City, yeah, um, yeah. But both of those two, um, long-term, they'll be centre-backs. But um, I agree with you. I think, yeah, he should be playing left-back at the moment. But a bit of spirit in the second half, at least. So there wasn't complete shame on the performance when they had to go into their lap of honour at the end. No, two more goals from set pieces. I think City are right up there, actually, incidentally, for goals from set pieces this season. That's been a real um, strength of theirs. Yeah, obviously something they worked on on the training ground. Well, yeah, not the result. They wanted to finish the season. And we'll be talking more about the second half of the season in next week's podcast. But first, let's cast our minds way back to August the 5th. We were both there covering the game as Bristol City opens their season with an emphatic win. They were 3-0 up at one point against Barnsley and it was a great afternoon for the Robins. It was and I remember after the game Lee Johnson came into the press conference with Bobby Reid and the two of them were just beaming. Uh, They were so happy with how Bobby had started the campaign. Of course he'd had this amazing goal scoring run across pre-season as well. I think he scored something great. I think he scored in fact in every pre-season game apart from one. Um, And so that. Obviously, he was going to play this role up front. We weren't sure at first if that was going to be the case. Obviously, they knew internally that it was going to be. And then for him to get two goals on the first day of the season was just tremendous. Yeah, absolutely. And from that, they went on to that emphatic uh, win in the cup against Plymouth Argyle. Perhaps you'd expect them to beat League One opposition, but only one league between them. However, Argyle had a really poor start to the season. And that was a game on that Tuesday evening. We, we saw some of the youngsters of Bristol City. And I thought maybe they'd play a bigger part this season, particularly Freddie Hines. Yeah, Freddie, um, he, he went obviously to Cheltenham, didn't he? And it's not worked out for him there. He's, he suffered from an injury recently, actually, from a gluteal injury. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's got an amazing goal, it's didn't a he? It's wasn't yeah, it, yeah. And 
I th- and, yeah, sorry. That, and that kick-started this amazing cup run? I think so. I think it was like um, the first sighting we all, or first indication of the strength and depth of the other players at City that they had. Um, they really came to the fore, didn't they? And as the month went on, it was a decent month for Bristol City, just the one defeat, which was against Birmingham City, who in the end actually proved to be one of the strugglers in the Championship. It did. That was in the Harry Redknapp days. That, that game for me was one of the cases where, in fact, possibly the only game this season that I saw... Uh, and I've seen every game apart from one, um, where effectively Bristol City should have got something out of that game. They played really well on that day, had loads of chances, um, and yeah, I couldn't believe it when they lost. Um, and I actually thought things might go downhill from there, so I uh, was pretty happy that they didn't. The only other point I wanted to make was the Brentford away game. Oh, what a comeback. Yeah, the uh, the, the last second goal for Bobby Reid. I think that was a really, really key point in, in the, the season. season. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you. Um, gave the team belief, made sure that they hadn't um, had back-to-back defeats. Um, yeah, and they kicked on from there. And that went against Watford as well. Not many people saw that coming in the cup. That was incredible towards the end of August. No, and... Um, uh, yeah, interestingly, the one about that for me is that um, Jamie McAllister revealed a couple of weeks ago that there was a bit of a set to in the uh, tunnel after the game really? between the two management teams. In fact, uh, I th- someone told me off the record that um, Jamie got uh, ticked off a little bit for that for because uh, mm. I'd managed to tease that one out of him in a press conference. Oh, uh, really? But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for that, Jamie. <laughs> so uh, they were they were doing really well by the end of August, and we come into September and. Things go from strength to strength for Bristol City. They go through the whole of the month unbeaten, including another cup game where there's a real upset when they beat the now relegated from the Premier League, Stoke City, 2-0 at home. Another impressive one. Yeah. This this cup run was just starting to really get going. It was. And Mark Hughes was in charge of Stoke back then. Um, I actually... Yeah, I'm not... I don't look... I'm not tending to look too much at the cup games just because... Obviously, it's difficult to know the players' motivations at the early rounds, and obviously the Premier League teams often it's not a priority. Yeah, exactly, is it? exactly. But the, the games before that, I think, were really key for Bristol City's season. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking on the way actually here. I was trying to think of the game I was most impressed with Bristol City in, and I think it was possibly that four-one home win against Derby, Derby County. It came from one nil down. Derby have got one of the best defenses in the. League. I remember Jeju scoring a great goal in that one, clean through one on one. Yeah, um, and yeah, that was great for his confidence, wasn't it? At the time, as well, I remember. Yeah, really high energy pressing from the front. Um, yeah, rampaging Bristol City performance there. The Robins were, were brilliant. Yeah, they're free-flowing best. And, and just a few days before that, they'd gone toe-to-toe with Wolves in what was a thrilling game on a stormy autumn night, from what I remember. That thrill, it was absolutely thrilling up at Molyneux, wasn't it? It was. We've had so many games like that this season, haven't we? With 3-3, three, 5-5, three, five, Yeah, five, I mean, two, uh, when it was 3-2 at the weekend, Jeff said to me on, well, it was soccer special because it was Sunday, and he said, there have been so many games like this then, Ashton Gate, this season, or just overall for Bristol City. And... Yeah, value for money this this season, especially in the first half. Absolutely, and and yeah, certainly. I know the club said this weekend, didn't they, that the crowd attendances are the best for thirty nine years. And yeah, if you've been going along to the matches, then you you'll have been entertained. Of course, there's been so many goals. Unfortunately, not not always in the right net. But <laughs> but as you say, yeah, fantastic games. And by the end of September, things were looking very rosy for Bristol City. And then then it was the question of, okay, can they keep this up? Because mm. I think sort of there were question marks last season and then towards the end of autumn is where it went wrong and they went on that terrible run but again they went brilliantly through October as well they did and 
Yeah, I mean, the September period, we were looking at those fixtures and thinking, right, they could be, well, I was looking at those fixtures thinking they could be in a bad spot, but they were unbeaten across September, which was incredible. Uh, and then, yeah, some they, they kept it going in October, really. Yeah. They did have a blip against uh, afternoon's national break when they lost against Leeds United 3-0. And I remember Lee Johnson, he'd been in, in good spirits, obviously, up to that point in post-match, no reason not to be. And uh, walked in and smiled and just said, just when you think you've cracked it, and laughed. Because <laughs> obviously he didn't mean that. You never yeah. think you've cracked it. But yeah. he obviously thought in his mind he had the players playing in a certain way, a certain system. And, you know, games like that, I guess, give you a sense of perspective and teach you not to get complacent. Not that Lee Johnson would get complacent, but, you know, that was only their second defeat in the league, wasn't it? Yeah, I think um, if you're looking at the season overall, I think probably the home form is is what they need to improve on next year. It's those yeah those results they lost in they to Preston and and Leeds at home. They dropped points against Burton. Um, they dropped points against Sunderland, didn't they? From winning positions, oh, yeah. Hull as well. We'll come on to those. We'll come on to those next week. Yeah. But um, those were all games really that they they had to get something out of or a bit more out of. And um, yeah, that's. I would say the major thing they need to improve on next year. But yeah, going back to October, yeah, it was disappointing. The Leeds defeat. Um, but then they never really got going that match. But then they bounced back and beat another Premier League side in the cup, Crystal Palace, four-one. Yeah. Emphatic victory. Roy Hodgson had just taken over. Remember, uh, obviously the former City manager back in the day, and he came in and he was saying about how how far the club has progressed certainly in terms of facilities he was really amazed by the new or sort of the renovated Ashton Gate um, yeah and and they played some really good football that day they, and after that it was a couple of brilliant performances on the road I thought they really played well at Sunderland and possibly their best away performance of the season was away at Fulham and you know you think about how far Fulham have come at that point it looked like a massive victory and it looked okay these are serious playoff contenders now it didn't like a lot of people, we were speculating earlier in the season about what happens if they went through to the playoffs. Would they go through? Who might they play against? And I always th- um, thought Fulham would be a good opponent for them because I actually thought they matched up f- uh, well against Fulham this season. How yeah. they play as well. I know Fulham yeah. like, like to play sort of fast, free-flowing football, passing game. And that's how Bristol City, Bristol City were playing in the first half of the season, yeah. wasn't it? And arguably City have, have played their best stuff against the more technical and, and better footballing sides, such as... The two Manchester sides as well, well, obviously we'll come on to that. But um, yeah, certainly Fulham away, arguably their best away performance. And I certainly thought for an hour in that game, Fulham didn't really didn't um, cause too many problems. And then November was, again, lots of positives to take. Did have the defeat at home to Preston, which you've just referred to, which seemed a bit of a blow at the time. But that massive win against Cardiff City in the seven-side derby. And I remember thinking, OK, these are two teams that are vying for promotion. Could these two be vying for the automatic spot at the end of the season? Because I thought after Bristol City won that, they had the upper hand over Cardiff. We obviously know how that's panned out now, but at the time, that seemed like such a massive win for the Robins. It did. I And I'm going to be a little bit controversial here, or, or contrary maybe, and say I thought they were a little bit lucky against Cardiff in terms of the uh, the red card. Now, obviously... This Marlon Pack we're talking about. Yeah, well, yeah, both actually. Marlon Pack, I can see it from Neil Warnock's point of view. He could easily have got a yellow, second yellow card and been sent off in that game. Instead, Omar Bogle gets a straight red for a, a two-footed challenge. And undoubtedly, City really had a bit of luck that game. But it, it, as they say, it evens itself, itself out over the season. There's certainly games where they didn't get their luck and the breaks didn't go for them. And you, you've got to take advantage. And they, they did soaring 
Aidan Flint header, wasn't it, to win that? And, and that Wildy from Canamo Dowda as well oh, in the first goal. half just yeah. shows how valuable he is to the team. You know, he's such a good young player, isn't he? And that injury was a bitter blow. I think that was a blow, unfortunately. At the time, he was, um, yeah, in really good form, and I'm not sure he recaptured that um, towards the end of the season. So maybe one for next year. And as they went through towards December, they got that win away against Hull, which was a big one. And we went into December and Bristol City at that time were in the upper echelons of the table and vying for an automatic spot at that point. Yeah, they 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 got that sort of come from behind um, victory at Hull. And I really thought that was a big moment for them as well. Obviously, when you go away and I think, they, were they 2-0 down or was it just 2-1 down? Yeah, 2-0 down in that one. Come away with a 3-2 victory. That that felt poignant. That really felt like they were go, they were going to build for something. So uh, they kept it going, but not to be, not to be. But as they went through December, it was, it was very positive. The one against Middlesbrough, Sheffield United, then Forest. Three wins on the bounce against three big championship teams. Re- yeah, really great wins. Um, the Sheffield United game, <laughs> I, looking back on that one, I thought think they were, again, they were a little bit lucky in that very, one. Very, very lucky. Sheffield United hit the woodwork, what, how many times? Four or five times in that game? Um, they were the better team when they Sheffield United that day. And, and she- it was almost, for Bristol City, a bit of a smash and grab, would you say? Was that, yeah, that fair? again, they benefited from a red card for John Fleck. Um, Fleck was, um, I thought, outstanding, actually, at the weekend. Two assists for him, incidentally. But, um, yeah, but it was a good result. They kept going. Flinty yeah, with plenty of chances and plenty of the ball. But I think because Sheffield United had better chances, mm. it felt a smash and grab. But, yeah, Flinty with, a, with that late winner... And again, there were just so many signs at that point, weren't there? It's like, oh, they keep doing it. They keep getting these results from somewhere. Yeah, maybe we should have paid a little bit more attention, I guess, at the time to how they were getting those results. And such as when it's a close game and the other side maybe plays better but doesn't get the right result, eventually that does come back around. So maybe they were edging the close games then, but later on in the season we saw that they they weren't going to... Get those results. But at this point, the players were fresher. There mm. weren't as many injuries, and that was playing a big part. He had more players to call up upon, and Lee Johnson by then probably thought he'd figured out his best starting eleven, didn't he? Yeah, I think mentality comes into this a lot. You know, um, Bristol City have got the fifth youngest squad in the division, I believe, and um, yeah, belief is so key. We talk about it all the time: confidence, belief, mentality, um, and at this point, everything's going nicely, isn't it? Everything's rolling along. Um, and yeah, they're just getting results after result. And after those three huge wins back to back, it came to that December night that will live long in the memory, I would think, of every Bristol City fan, Wednesday the 20th of December. And let's just talk through this evening and the Manchester United game. Never have I seen Bristol City's press room so busy or so hot. So my days, I remember walking in and being absolutely sweltering and there was no room to sit down. It, it was crazy. I've never seen it like that. The world's press had, had come down to the southwest for this massive game against Manchester United, arguably the biggest club in the world. And they brought their superstars along. And before the game, it was just sort of a nervy air anticipation. And I remember the first half finishing and it being nil-nil. And just saying to someone, mm, I just don't think Manchester United have turned it on yet. And it just felt like we were waiting for them to kick on in that game, didn't it? Yeah, it was marvellous, wasn't it? And um, does Lee Johnson get enough credit for that game, do you think? Because there's, there's not many teams who've knocked Manchester... or oh, Jose Mourinho side out of um, cup competition, certainly lower league um, teams. I remember um, MK Dons beating Man United a few years ago, but that obviously wasn't under 
Jose, um, and that was with a, a, a yeah, young Deli Alley involved. Yeah. Um, but yeah, certainly under Jose. I remember his Chelsea side being knocked out, I think, by Charlton in the League Cup many, many years ago. But, but this is the quarter-final, you know. Yeah, this is exactly, It's exactly. not an early stage or anything. Yes, exactly, Manchester yeah. United have come down with a very strong eleven. I mean, Zlatan Ibrahimovic was playing, and of course he scored that free kick. But yeah. it, it was just incredible. When you look at some of the, the names on Manchester United's team sheet and how the second half particularly played out you know you've got like I said Paul Pogba in there Marcus Rashford who's obviously one for the future but already an established Manchester United player you look at their bench Romney Lukaku was on the bench and he came on uh, at 1-0 and at 1-0 you're thinking right will Manchester United just go and kill this off Mm. but it just didn't happen they Bristol City frustrated them they were organised and when that Corey Smith goal went in I mean I don't think Talk about Lee Johnson not getting enough credit. I think people forget the brilliant ball that Matty Taylor played to Corey Smith. And Uh, he has not had enough credit for that at all. Beautiful dink ball. Obviously, Mm -hmm. Corey Smith gets the plaudits for the brilliant finish. But Mm -hmm. I've never experienced an atmosphere like that. I don't think I've ever experienced an atmosphere like that anywhere it was fantastic wasn't it wasn't it and um, fair play to the club with those flags. That that was brilliant as well. I thought it's such a was that the Manchester United game? Yeah. And the Manchester City one as well. Red and silver. Were they at the Manchester City game? Or was it the Manchester United game as well? Let's check on that. <laughs> <laughs> we can't remember. I, I think it was that one. It, you might be right, but it was okay. definitely the Manchester City one. I thought it was the Manchester City one. Okay. But they, it's sort of, to be fair, you know, I think I'm on 78 or 79 games for the season. So, Gregor, yeah. you must be on similar. They okay. do all become a little bit convoluted. But... It was just the incredible eruption of noise, but yeah. all the way through the second half. Yeah, I asked Corey Smith about like the celebrations when. Oh, he, this um, is brilliant! Yeah, you when, must tell this. When when he scored that goal, and he said that he can't remember them obviously, but um, he said he couldn't hear anything because when he ran to the corner flag, all the players piled on top of him, and he, and basically he was saying, "Yeah, I couldn't hear anything. I didn't know what was going on." And wasn't it just yeah. him and Bobby Reed at the bottom going? And like I loved the way he like phrased it. It was like they were holding each other's heads, saying, "I can't believe it, bro! I can't believe it!" Yeah, and. Uh, and Basically, I think he had to say, get off me, get off me, because I can't breathe at, yeah. at one point. So, uh, fantastic celebration. It was just life. brilliant. And of course, perhaps one of the images of the season for Bristol City is Lee Johnson sprinting down the touchline, uh, grabbing Jade and the young ball boy, uh, uh, someone that's in Bristol City's academy as well, and swinging him round. You can't write that stuff. Brilliant scenes, brilliant scenes. And yeah, just going back to the earlier point about Lee Johnson, I mean... This is like the furthest that Bristol City have ever got in their history. It's equal. They've done it before. They've got to the semi-finals. They've never made it to the final. So he's equaled as far as they've ever got before. So, yeah, I think people maybe dismiss that a little bit too easily um, when they think about the um, promotion campaign this year. Um, but it is a tremendous, tremendous cup, cup run, wasn't it? When we just look at this cup run... When you go back to sort of August when they beat Plymouth Argyle, that wasn't their strongest 11, no disrespect to everyone playing. But do you think just as it went on, they took it more and more seriously? And by the quarterfinal, you just, you know, you're just wondering what's going to happen, aren't you? Can they go all the way to the final? And Lee Johnson's feeling his very best 11. Yeah, I think the guys who came in did really good jobs uh, earlier in the um, in the earlier rounds. People like Jens Hegler scored, didn't he, against Plymouth? And uh, what's Jens up to at the moment? Um, yeah, so... Those guys played their part, didn't they? And I'm sure Lee will have felt some 
loyalty towards them. But as you progress, um, you've got to play your strongest team, haven't you? And, and Luke Steele was playing in goal instead yeah. of Frank Fielding. Just on Johnson, I saw in his programme notes at the weekend that he mm. said he, he wouldn't have changed anything about the cup run. So maybe people might be wondering. I know everyone says, like, yeah, did the would, cup run cost them? Yeah, would you do things differently? Oh, how it, could you trade yeah. a night like that? Exactly, exactly. You know, that memory will live for... Well, yeah. long in the memory for We'll be Bristol asking City questions fans. in press conferences about that yeah. for years to come. Still. And if you ever walk down the sort of press area of Ashton Gate, there are proud sort of newspaper back pages plastered on the walls from that night. Actually, on that, I yeah, we actually presented Lee Johnson with a, a front page on the Bristol Post this week because um, we haven't had a chance earlier, just from the day, the day after the Manchester United mm. win, that photo of Corey being buried under the players. And we just said thanks for the um, excitement of that cup run, Lee. Um, on, on behalf of the Bristol Post, we presented that to him. And it, and it gave us sort of just a wonderful sort of experience covering that cup run, you know, for everyone involved brilliant. locally and journalists and reporters. We loved it, didn't we? Brilliant, brilliant. Hopefully there's more to come. Well, fingers crossed. But we'll come on to the Manchester City games in the next episode. And uh, we'll we'll finish part one of the review just looking back on the other two results that followed. So the one all against QPR at the weekend after that game I mean how I remember saying to him on the Friday I did an interview with him I was like how on earth do you prepare your players now for a championship game after the euphoria of beating Manchester United and they did well to go there and get anything they must have been shattered they did and the other thing is um, from being down there they were for the last half an hour they were the ones pushing for the winner if anybody was going to go on and win that game it was going to be City which is tremendous um, yeah, a tremendous response from the players. They did brilliantly. And for Lee Johnson to get their heads in order to go and do that. Absolutely. And then get their heads in order as well to go and play Reading, Boxing Day, and get that result, that 2-0 win. Yeah. Um, Lloyd Kelly, of course, scored in that game. And also... Came on as a late sub, didn't he? Yeah, and a contender for goal of the season for me. I absolutely loved that Jamie Patterson goal. Yeah, was that... Which one was this, this Jamie Patterson goal? Was oh, it was the one where Bobby Is Reed... that outside the area, was Yeah, it? yeah, Bobby Reed sort of laid it back to him, I think. And, and top top right corner. Yeah, and he just lashed it. And well, sort of curled it into the top corner. It was a beautiful, beautiful team goal as well. And so. that was Jamie Patterson really at his best at that it point. Was, it was, it was. We'll come on to that a bit. I think Patso sort of... Um, he lost his way a little bit this season. I don't think he was helped particularly by being shifted about in position. Um, and certainly he played his best football probably around that period, didn't he? Yeah. Heavily involved against Manchester United and Manchester City uh, yeah, in a more fantastic. forward position. Well, we'll stop there for sort of reflecting on part one of the season and we will pick up next week by talking about that Wolves game right at the end of December and look at the final few months of the season and what happened and maybe where it went wrong. We'll reflect on the Manchester City games as well. But you've been speaking to an ex-Bristol City striker, Gregor. I have, yep. Yeah, um, on Sassed, the uh, chance to speak with uh, Bob Taylor, um, one for maybe older listeners. Um, he was a prolific Bristol City striker, wasn't he? Um, back in the uh, end of the 80s, early 90s. And uh, I was asking him about uh, his goal-scoring memories from Ashton Gate. The memory is just great. As I said to people before, um, this is really where my career took off. Uh, Leeds, you know, was my first club, but they give me an education in the game. But this is where really everything for me as a striker started. I uh, started banging goals in left and I had a great mentor in George Jordan. 
you know, who, who showed me showed me the ropes um, and being a striker himself, he taught me how to look after myself, when to when and where to make runs, getting in the box, yeah. um, one thing or another. So I learned I learned from you know from a good a good striker, and it, it's carried me through my career. I was asking some of the uh, senior guys down uh, in the press room about their opinions from when they were watching you, and they said to maybe mention uh, Dave Smith on the wing, who might have might have set you up a few times. Would that be yeah. fair to say? Yeah, Smithy. Yeah, yeah. he uh, he used to get his head down and just go. You know, he was very, very quick. He had a great shot on him. He scored some goals for us. Uh, but yeah, he used to supply crosses, and we had a, we had a tricky winger in Mark Gavin who used to supply the crosses as well. And for me and Big Robbie, it was uh, you know just go and help yourself. And you know, and that's what really it, we, we, you know started banging goals in from that point of view. Yeah. Any particularly memorable or favourite goals? From, from I'm going to say all of them. I mean, I know everybody's yeah. got the different ones. I mean, some some cracking goals, overhead kicks against Birmingham. I remember. Ill-fated, well, it's ill-fated night for me. We uh, we were playing crew and I got a hat-trick and I was about to get substituted and I pulled my hamstring, but I hit, I hit a cracker from about 30 yards, you know, into the corner of the net. So, um, cracking goal, but, you know, there was some good goals that season there. Uh, we had a great season. Uh, one of the chaps downstairs was saying, um, I don't know if you remember him, his name was Ken Chappell and he worked on the, the buses and, the, and uh, in the changing rooms and stuff. Yeah. And he said, uh, one thing he remembered from you is that you're always very tidy with your um, clothes, folding up your <laughs> Yeah. No. Has anyone said that to you before? It was or? just, it was just from when I was at Leeds. There, we're in digs, and we, you know, three of us sharing a room, and you had to keep your side of the room tidy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so every time I came in, I kept, you know, people just throw the kit on the floor. I was always folding my kit up, and yeah, yeah. you know, my, my shirt, and then my shorts and my socks on top. It was just one of them things. I don't, it's not OCD, but it's just uh, I was just always tidy. I don't know why. Great stuff. And um, have you seen much of Bristol City this season at all? Uh, it's only the second time I've been back. I came down for the game. Uh, QPR game uh, player got sent off 2-0 defeat I think yeah, against QPR so um, you know but it was, it was great to come back it's always nice I love, we love, I love the place you know what I mean uh, and we, we spend many time down in Western Supermare as well with me and the wife and we take the dog and stay over and that so it, it's great I love the place and it's, it's, it's a beautiful day to day it is good, good time to come back I think yeah, yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, well, I'm just uh, hoping I get you know today's. I'm, it's not going to be a sour day. Uh, yeah. Good I know, win, I know yeah. uh, my ex club's interested in your manager, so it's uh, yeah, yeah, you know, be that's another big thing. So I hope that doesn't get uh, brought up in the Q and A's. Yeah, uh, no. So you know what I mean. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, cheers, Bob. Thank Thanks you very, very much, much for your time. Greg, yeah, all cheers. the best. So that was Greg was chatting to Bob Taylor, who was in Bristol City in the early '90s, and he was back down at the weekend. He was, yeah. He was at Ashton Gate, um, and yeah, another thing which we didn't listen to there, but obviously I asked him about Bobby Reed maybe going for the golden boot and unfortunately Bobby couldn't quite do it sort of second, I think, wasn't he, in the in the end, in the championship goal scorers? Yeah, so. just behind Mata Vidra, so couldn't, couldn't quite make it over the line. Right, thanks, Gregor. We'll be back next week then with part two of our end of season review where we look back... City games and what happened and maybe what went wrong to go from flirting with the automatic spots to finishing outside the playoffs by eight points. So we'll be back next week with that. A big thank you to our new sponsor as well on this week's podcast, ELM Legal Services. They're based in Bristol and provide will writing and estate planning services across the UK, a standard single will for £99. And they're our new sponsor on the podcast. So welcome along. And if you're listening on iTunes, please rate and review us. Catch you next week. Thanks for listening. Robins on the Wire.